0: We are back at it here on Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. It is Heatwave Sports. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, as we begin another year here on the Lotus Broadcast Airwaves. Tommy joining me all the way in New York City, of course. I'm here in Vegas. And Tom, this is our first official show together for 2023.
1: Happy New Year. I, yeah. I always wonder, when can you say Happy New Year until? Right? I, I, I'm i always, eh, you know, when is the cutoff? But with us, it's still in month one. It's the first time I'm talking to you on the air. It's the first time we have listeners on the air. So I'm saying it. I'm saying Happy New Year.
0: Yeah, I agree. Happy New Year to you as well. Happy New Year to our our buddy Ryan, who always handles the show for us on Sunday nights, does a great job. And I think when you look at, what's gone on since the new year. Obviously we get bumped by that team Vegas golden Knights, but you know, some scheduling snafus on my end as well. Chris Wynn sat in admirably for us as he always does, but we're back Tom and we're back and we're on both nights here in the next uh, few weeks for sure. And it happens to coincide with some big game that's happening in, in two weeks time. Tom.
1: Yeah. Listen, it's crunch time, right? I mean, here it is. It, we have, know the Super Bowl, it really does every year seem like the season goes so quick. Right? I mean, we know the Super Bowl contestants. We're sitting here. We're going to be previewing the Super Bowl here this week. Um, We'll do it also next week as well, obviously. We are looking at a season where it's going to be over. I mean, it's the finality is here and no matter how many years that we do this, Tim, it always seems... Like, wow, the season goes away so quick. It just goes by so fast. And I can't say the same thing about other sports, right? I mean, as much as I love baseball, you know you get a full baseball season. You you feel it. You feel like the baseball season, not that it drags, but you're getting your money's worth kind of thing. It goes long. Okay, you feel it. You feel it in hockey. You feel it in uh, all college sports. You certainly feel it in hockey, in, in the NBA. You're getting your amount of time. In football, every year, year after year, guaranteed, you always look back and you go, wow, that was fast, right? I mean, I we, I just remember still putting together the show for our, for our preseason preview show, and I feel like it was just yesterday. It goes so, so quick.
0: Absolutely. Is it too soon, Tom? Is it too soon? I, I know, you know, earlier we were talking to Chris Wynn in a in – a, in a group of ours and he said, you guys shouldn't have any shortage of topics tonight, but is it too soon to say that major league baseball spring training opens in a month? Is that,
1: should we even go there or? No, that's, <laughs> uh, that, that's good stuff there, Tim. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it is always um, a little dreadful, isn't it right now? Yeah. Where yeah. you turn around and, and you go, all right, even though, even look, the super bowl is here, right? We, we know it, but, we have two teams playing you have one big game in the NFL i love college basketball like nobody else but there is that gap between the you know the NFL season major league baseball season so i've done it tim i've given you the exact moment how about this 62 days 22 hours 55 minutes and 33 seconds until opening day <laughs> I love it. I love it.
0: We um let's get all the let's get all the before we dive into these games, let's get all the the small stuff out of the way. So, in years past, Wave Sports has done a, a live remote for the Super Bowl. I don't think that's happening this year. We're waiting on a possible venue to get back to me, but we're running out of time here obviously, and if it doesn't happen, ul- alternate plan here, Tom is I'm going to ask Lotus to let me back in the studios, hang out with Ryan, and then our guests can come to the studio and jump on like we did. We, you know, we've done that in years past as well. So that would be the alternate plan to us being somewhere on the strip. Where are you going to be for the Super Bowl in two weeks?
1: I was going to say alternate plan. You meet me in Atlantic city. How about that? Oh, Okay. We do it right there from the sports book, right? yeah that could work yeah absolutely yeah Yeah, i'll probably shoot down there i I may go everybody keeps telling me i I have to hit up the connecticut casinos i live um uh, really close to connecticut uh, so much so that if i turn around and look at my weather right it's connecticut weather so i might jump on the ferry i might i might try the connecticut casinos this time so but i'll be in a casino in a sports book more than likely atlantic city only because Hey, they give me free rooms, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. They give me free food. I go down there and I make money before I even start spending money. So that that's always a good thing. But I may I may try the casino up here, uh, right here in Connecticut. A
0: little Mohegan Sun action?
1: Yeah, I mean, Mohegan Sun is, is the closer one, but yeah, they have uh, Foxwoods as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I could have my choice of two. Mohegan Sun looks like the better one. I've never been Tim and it really is it's a ferry ride away jump on the ferry it's an hour-long ferry ride but it's a nice ferry ride and then once you get off the ferry it's you know half hour Mm -hmm. I mean that's it and I live minutes from the ferry so why would I not cut down that time instead of instead of driving three and a half hours away to Atlantic City why would I drive three and a half hours away? Well, the only reason is because, like I said, I get free rooms, I get free food, I get free drinks. <laughs> you know, I walk off. The last time I walked off, and I wasn't even staying. And this is not an endorsement; I'm just saying, I wasn't even staying at the Hard Rock, um, and the Hard Rock gave me fifty dollars to play every single day. <laughs> you know, what I mean, you wake up, you get fifty bucks to go play. I, you do a little extra gambling there instead of just sports betting, but. It is a a different kind of environment.
0: Since we're on the topic, there was a planned Tom Barton sports appearance for March Madness. We had to scrap that. So Tommy, you're going to be doing something on the personal level for March Madness, but I know some way, somehow you're still going to be checking out the games and making your wagers.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, March Madness, I will be back uh, ready to go. I'll be sitting, you know, Maybe in a casino, Uh, but I will be okay for March Madness. Just right before March Madness is my 10-year anniversary. So right before there, we're taking a trip or taking a long trip. Um, That will be a position where during like the conference championship games and whatnot, I won't be around. So I couldn't just jump on a plane after my 10-year anniversary. I could do a lot of crazy things. Uh, She's a forgiving woman, Tim. (laughs) But yeah. Not being around for the 10-year anniversary to sit in a casino in Las Vegas, even if I'm making money, still yeah. just not going to fly. That one might burn. burn the ass a little bit, right? Yeah, just a little. I mean, <laughs> we still talk about how I was uh, talking to clients in my tuxedo, making bets and taking calls about <laughs> field conditions um, literally in my tuxedo. So uh, <laughs> when I was going to get married, maybe, maybe I got to correct things a little bit.
0: Well, we got plenty going on. We're up. We're going to be with you all weekend here, up and through the Super Bowl and past. You know, really, we, we kick. We, we like to segment the show into parts of the year. So, beginning of the year, we know we're going to talk NFL football, and I guess Tom, before we talk about the individual games. As since we're the first ones locally to talk about this, let's kind of just look at the preview of what it's going to be first before we break down the games. Look, you got the Eagles and you got the Chiefs. I think a lot of people had this matchup. How they got there is going to be a, a nice talk. One, one had an easy route. The other one was not so easy. But all said and done, as we, as we line into two weeks away. We're going to get the Chiefs in their uh, third appearance in the last four years in the Super Bowl. They're 1-1 one one in their two games there. And the Eagles back in the Super Bowl for the fourth time.
1: Well, look, Tim, you know, I say it all the time. It, the Cinderella story is a nice story, right? I mean, people love Cinderella's. People love underdogs. People love the idea of what a Cinderella or an underdog could be. Um, I always want the best against the best. I say that year after year, sport after sport. That's what we have here. We have number one against number one. Now, you can tell me that the Eagles might have had an easy road to get there, and we'll get into that, right? And you can tell me Kansas City got a bunch of breaks to get there. Sure, we'll get into that. Doesn't matter. We have, and this rarely happens in sports. Forget about just the NFL. In sports, we have... The two best teams from their respective conferences, record-wise, the number one seeds in both of their respective conferences playing for the championship. That is just a good thing for the fans, and it is a good thing for the sport. Like I said, look, you can say I would have liked a Cinderella team. You can tell me it would have been more fun if somebody else got in there. It would have been a better situation. You're going on a personal bias. When people watch a sport, they want... I know that the the underdog is fun every now and then. But generally speaking, they want the best against the best. Why play unless you get the best against the best? And Tim, there's just no undenying it. We are getting the best against the best to find out who's the best.
0: Yeah. Really, I think the only Cinderella story... I, I guess you could paint it any way you want to paint it, but... The Cinderella story would have been, in these Final Four, would have been the Brock Purdy story. if if Somehow they would have found a way to win with him there. That would have been the easy Cinderella story to put in there. But you also could have had, look, Joe Burrow and the Bengals going back-to-back Super Bowls. It wasn't to be. So we get the Chiefs. We get the Eagles, Tom. You said it the top two seeds in, in each respective conference. And when the game ended, when the Kansas City game ended, I hopped on the mobile app real quick. Just to see, and it posted at that time. It was a pick. It changed quickly. Tom,
1: it's Eagles minus two right now. Yeah, you guys asked me in the chat room, um, you know, the the text chat that we have. You said, "What do you think it's going to be?" I said, "Eagles are going to be favored um, slightly." I thought one one and a half. Open, you know, you said it's two right now. I'm seeing right now. I'm looking right uh, right at some of the sports books around the country. You could still get one and a half out there, um, so it is not unusual. It's exactly what I believed it was going to be. I, I mean, during before the game even ended, we kind of were answering those questions, right? So uh, this is exactly what I thought. I do believe there will be a ton of late Kansas City money coming in. I think that anybody that you know thinks that maybe Patrick Mahomes isn't a hundred percent is going to wait on this game and then as you're going to hear no matter what his ankle feels like Tim, you're going to hear all week how great he is oh my goodness he's a, he's a medical marvel hey, that's it oh man uh, watch this the ankle is unbelievably better i mean you're going to hear all that and late kansas City money's going to come in as we hear the health of not only him but the three wide receivers that went down the kansas City chiefs were banged up so I do believe that money will come back, but it wouldn't shock me to see the Eagles get to three at some point. So I, I think that early on, I think uh, we we spoke about this briefly and, and I was speaking about this uh, on Twitter a little bit. I think that this will touch three. I believe that the next three, four five days, there's going to be Philly action. It's going to probably get to three. And I think it touches it for a minute. I don't know how long probably more of a two and a half line but I think he gets there and then as the week goes on next week when we're on the air it will start to skew to Kansas City a little bit as we hear the health of Patrick Mahomes and I think we get closer to that pick number that you had as we go off for kickoff which is interesting Tim because you asked me a question before the year and when we were doing our preview you said all right Tom Would you take the AFC and the AFC at the time was minus two and a half. Hmm. And we both said, ah, it makes sense because you got Allen, you got Burrow, you got Mahomes, you have Herbert, you got a slew, you got Jackson, you had a slew of AFC teams. And my concern was, I said, well, Tim, the problem is, is that look at what just happened with the Rams. Look at what just happened with Tampa. You could get that dynamic NFC team while it's not a great situation. So if you decided to bet before the year, you probably didn't get much value, <laughs> you know, on a, a prop play that me and you were discussing before the year. It looks like it's going to be right in that same ballpark. Yeah,
0: because you know it's crazy when we talked about <clears throat> looking at the strength of the conferences, and, and that's what we exactly said, right? Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore, Cincinnati. We just listed the teams off, and we we had a we had trouble really. Looking at the, the NFC teams, and I know if we go back to our preview show, both of us were not high on Philadelphia or Cincinnati to begin the year. We thought that Philly had a, an easier road to get into the playoffs, but um, the smoke and mirrors, and, and we'll get into that here in a second, but you're right, and and I think the line is going to be funny to watch. So I just thought of this a couple minutes ago. It's not on my notes, but we always talk about the value of the quarterback versus Uh, when it comes into play for the point spread. So not that this is going to happen because I expect Mahomes to to play. But what if, Tom, the big what if, he can't go and Chad Henney starts the the Super Bowl as Kansas City's quarterback? What's that line look like at that point?
1: Uh, I'll break it down for you here, Tim. Um, If that were to happen, this is the Super Bowl, so everything's magnified. A quarterback going down is normally worth six to eight points depending on who the quarterback is, right? Um, quarterback going down, that is a mediocre quarterback, a solid quarterback, a Jared Goff, we'll say, to take a shot at our Detroit friends out there. But a Jared Goff goes down, he's worth six points or so. A, a star quarterback goes down during the regular season. A Patrick Mahomes goes down and Chad Henney is starting a week 12, for example. Worth probably about eight points. This is the Super Bowl. This is the Super Bowl against a number one team in Philadelphia. The Super Bowl against a number one defensive line that had more pressures and sacks than any other team in the league. I think the public would massively overreact him. Mm-hmm. I think it would be a double digit difference. Patrick Mahomes is that valuable? I could be. It would be at absolutely north. Of a touchdown. Okay. I think I could easily say with 100% conviction it would be eight points or more. And I'm leaning more towards like 10. So the line is Philadelphia, let's just say minus two right now, even though you can get it one and a half. Yeah. That would absolutely go to 10. 10 and a half. It wouldn't shock me if that got up to 11 or 12.
0: And what would you bet, Tom?
1: Ah. Uh, I
0: mean... I know how you are with double digits, so...
1: Yeah, look. uh, In that hypothetical, kind of crazy scenario, I think I'm taking the Chiefs. Uh, I think Chad Henney could play in this league, and this is not to disparage Patrick Mahomes. Everybody says system quarterback, system this, system that. Nobody brings it up with Mahomes. Andy Reid's a hell of a coach. Uh, Andy Reid would have two weeks to prepare. I look, I I would have to take the points, but I would not feel good
0: about it. And Chad Haney's been there. It's not like he, they've just brought him in to be the bat. He's been there for a while, so he knows exactly what the playbook entails. And if he has, I mean, we saw it today, and we might as well jump into that game. We saw it today, Tom, that the Chiefs, the receivers were, were just getting picked apart one by one. We were just like, who's left? Who's really left to even on this team if they if they get any more injuries at the position? But two weeks Healthy, you know, what we saw today, and I guess we can go a couple different avenues here. I, I know a lot of uh, not only quote unquote experts, but a lot of just common folk like ourselves that claim that the Bengals lost this game because the referees were in the pocket of the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know, we can start with that. Chiefs 23, Bengals 20. They, they get their first win against uh, Cincinnati in, in four tries, Tommy. But th- there was a little help here, do you think? Or, or are people
1: overreacting to this? People are overreacting. Um, but But it's warranted at spots. What people forget is the flow of the game and how the entirety of the game goes, right? People just often forget that. But I will say this. A call in the first quarter... Is not equal to a call in the fourth quarter, right? I mean, sometimes the the same exact call in the same exact way it is more magnified. With that being said, there was a lot of bad calls on the Chiefs early on in that game. The first the first quarter, there was two or three obvious, very obvious holding calls on Cincinnati. It was flat out not called. If you remember, they came out of the box, they sacked Joe Burrow you know, three times within, before you you blinked your eye, right? I mean, it was just an absolute mess what happened in that spot, right? So, all of a sudden, Burrow was sacked, you know, three times in the first eight minutes of that game, Tim. And then the offensive linemen started panicking. And you can see holding calls all day. I I counted three holding calls on three back-to-back plays that were completely and utterly missed. So, Yeah, those calls were missed as well. Now, did those calls at the 10 minute mark, 10 minutes into the game in the first quarter? Did they impact the game as much as the fourth quarter? No, definitely not. Uh, You know, you had the Eli Apple call and and whatnot. The call that gets everybody all crazy is that call where they were waving the playoff. Let it play. And they were completely wrong there, Tim. They were wrong. Look. Letter of the law, yeah, he did call the playoff. But how do you let that play uh, commence? Oh, well, nobody heard the whistle. Well, you make sure. You're a referee. You make sure people hear that whistle and during a championship game. Are you nuts? Like, Absolutely. That play, that sequence where they, they gave them an extra play, then they sacked them, then it was on Eli Apple, gave them the first down. That was a horrendous sequence. And that is what everyone's staring at in this game. Well, you know, uh, you know, Abby even said it. Well, you can tell that the NFL wants the Chiefs there. No, stop. You didn't watch the whole game. Abby didn't watch anything, but the fourth quarter came in there and made that sentence. Just like I'm sure a lot of people were casually, maybe at a sports book, maybe at a bar, maybe at a house party. And, and you zone in in the fourth quarter during a time game, right? But you're missing the first quarter where it was hold after hold after hold for Cincinnati, just not flat out, flat out not getting cold. How about the play on Kadarius uh, Tony, where basically they tackled him before he caught the ball? How about the play on Travis Kelsey, where there's, there was a, 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 a clear, clear tug of the jersey? All uh, right, I mean, I could go to that. Uh, Hayden Hurst twice ran a pick play, an obvious pick play that wasn't called. I mean, I could do this all day. So no, you cannot blame the referees in this spot. Was there a, in a just egregious, ridiculous set of circumstances in this game that we have never really seen before and certainly not in a playoff game? Absolutely. Is that the reason the Bengals won? No, it's not. Joe Burrow turning the ball over twice in Arrowhead. Just look at the statistics. It's not going to get it done. Joan Mixon could not run the ball tonight. That's not getting it done. They are not able to execute their plan. And I don't care who you are, this day and age, in this NFL, you score 20 points against a top quarterback, you're not winning that game. So you can sit back and say that that, that call was bad, and it was, and that sequence of calls were absolutely horrible. But Tim, if I turned around to you before the game and I said Cincinnati is going to have two touchdowns all game, uh they are going to have 20 points all game, you're gonna you would have told me, of course they're gonna win. Right. So to me, that play was a problem, but and the officiating wasn't great today. Uh, but it's not 90 10. Might have been 60 40 in the way of the Chiefs. Sure, I can go with that. And it was in a key moment. I get it. Uh, But it didn't mean that Joe Burrow didn't have the ball in his hands ready to win the game. It didn't mean that Joe Burrow couldn't lead his team down the field. Me and you talked about it. You know, Kansas City went three and out. Joe Burrow, tie game 20-20, to had a chance before the final drive to drive down the field and win that game. He had that opportunity, and they failed. They didn't fail because of bad officiating. They failed because of Joe Burrow and because of what the Bengals' offense was unable to do. So – you know, I get the gripe about officiating. I understand it. And you have every reason, Cincinnati, to complain about that series, that set, but that didn't lose you the game.
0: I agree. I agree. That that was a penalty that led to the field goal list. That's the bottom line on that one. So we can take that out. There's no discussion for that. He hit him when he was already out of bounds. So whatever that case is, but you said, you, you just referenced the drive before that. He threw a pick, man. Yeah, it was tipped, but he threw the pick right. He had two bad interceptions in this game um, against a KC team, Tommy. That we talked about the injuries to the receivers. Obviously, Valdez Scantling stepped up. He had Kelsey being double teamed most of the game. To the to, uh, Bengals did a good job taking him out, even though he still went seven for seventy eight and got in the end zone early. And this is with this is without. Tony. This is without Schuster, right? So I agree. Cincinnati, you could you can pinpoint all these these calls to change the so-called flow of the game, but take the whole game in your in your mind when you when you really look at Cincinnati didn't win, didn't do anything to win this game, in my opinion. In fact they should have beaten a team that looked with a hobbled quarterback and no receivers. That's that's the thought process that gives me is that they should have won this game. They should have scored at least another seven to ten points, and we're not even
1: talking about Kansas City right now. No, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, look at just look at what Kansas City had to deal with. I, I, I will tell you, I was uh, I did a lot of prop plays today. I, I did real well on my prop plays. But one of the plays I gave a hard, hard, hard look at was Kadarius Tony over three and a half catches. I believed because of the situation that Mahomes' ankle, they were going to dink and dunk more than ever, right? I mean, this was going to be a a situation where uh, Juju was out of the game. They were going to dink and dunk. Here you go. Tony is targeted twice in the first two drives, including that touchdown that he should have caught, right? He's targeted twice, and then he's out of the game. You can argue Kadarius Tony was their number one receiver. So they lost Juju, who's their number one receiver, didn't play in this game. You can very much argue, and I think that the book showed you, and then Mahomes' game plan showed you, that Kadarius Tony was the number two quarter uh, wide receiver. He was out of the game. The moment he went out, all you did was hear Tony Romo, who, by the way, has just gotten terrible on the mic, but all you did was hear Tony Romo sit back and start talking about uh, Nicole Hardman the speed difference, how it opens up a defense, how even if he's not getting the ball, he's such a difference maker. He, he changes the way that you do it. He used the word scared. Defensive coordinators are scared of what he can do, and he changes the complexion of a game. As Tony Romo is basically saying this, Nicole Hardman is being targeted multiple times by uh, Patrick Mahomes, and then minutes later, he's out of the game. So you could argue that their number one wide receiver was out in Juju, their number two wide receiver was out, Kadarius Tony. Their number three wide receiver was out, amiko Hardman. And here you go, Valdez Scanling steps up to be that number one receiver. When before the game began, his catch total was two, two and a half. Depending on where you were looking, Tim, his catch total said he was a number four receiver. So this is a team that, like you said, could not run the ball. Okay, Pacheco left twice with with, uh, slight injuries as well, but they could not run the ball. They could not get anything done down the field. Big plays, absolutely. They didn't have the time to do it because Matt Patrick Mahomes couldn't scramble. They had a hobbled quarterback, couldn't run the ball, and their number one receiver was probably their fourth wide receiver on the depth chart that they were targeting. Yet they still won the game. So Cincinnati, you could bitch and complain all you want and and, you know there are are a lot of people that will go out there and say well we had this we had that yeah kansas city had a lot up against them in this game as well oh by the way tim another point that people will not remember how about their number one cornerback not lasting a a series landarius sneed with a huge hit goes out of that game he was their number one corner so for the rest of the game the ever so great jamar chase was being covered by a rookie, and the rookie did pretty well.
0: Chris Wynn chimes in. You could also argue, guys, the big punt return on the final drive that KC got to about midfield. If you're Cincinnati, how does that happen?
1: Yeah, well, I think there was there was special teams problems all night, right? I mean, for both games. By the way, uh, we'll get into into the other game. But I think there were special teams problems all night. That's a great eye by Chris. And it is. Look, it's true. Cincinnati, you want an opportunity to win this game. How do you give up that punt? I mean, how does that happen? Well, it's because your special teams wasn't very good. So you, you're looking at Cincinnati trying to nitpick and find reasons why they lost. It was the ref. The NFL had it fixed. They wanted this guy here. And then you go, oh, wait a minute. Your special teams failed in a key moment. Your star quarterback threw an interception in a key moment, his second of the game. Your star wide receiver could not beat the coverage of a a rookie corner. Your number two wide receiver went out of the game with an injury in T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I mean, Um, you know, your team could not run the ball. I can give you a million reasons why Cincinnati lost this game far down the list is one bad series of calls that they got against the refs.
0: Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Time for our first little short break. Plenty more to come here with the Super Bowl now official, Kansas City, Philadelphia. On the other side of the T.O., Tommy will look at the Bengals offseason and see what direction they have to go to try to get back to this spot. Again, as we talk in one year's time, will the Bengals be the team we're talking about? We'll get Tom's thoughts on that. And we'll look at the NFC side of the ledger win today with uh, Philadelphia and San Francisco. All that here and more up until the midnight hour tonight. It's a super Sunday night here on Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio.
1: And Horton wasting no time. He's going to the Duke. (laughs) The Duke leads the league in saves, strikeouts per inning, and hit batsman. This guy threw at his own kid in a father-son game. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton.
0: Kansas City on their way to the big game, 23-20 win. That arrowhead over Cincinnati. The Bengals close this year out one step short of a return trip to the Super Bowl. Tom Bengals twelve and four in the regular season. They win the AFC North, and uh, it's been it's been it's been an interesting season. If you're a Bengals fan, a bad start and then they just went on an absolute run to get into the not only win the division but get in the playoffs and then up in to the uh, AFC title game. So what's next for Cincinnati, Tommy? They went to the bowl last year. You on our preseason show preview show said you weren't even sure if they were going to make the playoffs this season. What does Nostradamus think at this point in time right now? And I'll ask you again in August when we do the
1: preview show. But right now, what are you thinking? What, what's, what's the Bengals offseason going to look like? It, it better look like offensive line. I mean, it, I know that they lost guys for injuries, right? I mean, and the big moves don't actually have to be these dynamic, bring in the greatest players kind of moves. Sometimes just getting depth helps, but not with the Bengals. It, it, look, they, they lost their guys. I put this out on Twitter last, after, after the Bengals won last week. And I said, for two years, I've believed, and I believe publicly on the air here, okay, I have yelled and screamed for two years that the Bengals could not win a Super Bowl because their offensive line would be their undoing. And I wrote last week, maybe I was wrong, okay? I, I said it. I was wrong. Because somehow or another, they got through Buffalo. Now, obviously, the snow helped out, and it's hard hard for the defensive lineman to kind of push off in the snow and all that. But you saw it again tonight. I'm still a believer that in the high-flying arena league that we now play in the NFL, that you still have to be able to protect the quarterback. And you still have to have good line play. The Bengals don't. The Bengals don't have it. And I'm stunned that Joe Burrow is still upright. I'm stunned that he is, but he's not going to continue to take 50 sacks a year and still be upright, Tim. You just can't. I love Joe Burrow. I think he's fantastic, but you just can't. I also think that this offseason they also lose T. Higgins, which is a problem, right? So I like what they are, they, they have begun to do. And Zach, Zach Taylor has turned me into somebody that says, you know what? No, this guy is a head coach in this league, that he absolutely can succeed. I like that their defense really turned around. But here's the things I would watch if I was the Cincinnati Bengals in the offseason. Their defensive coordinator is becoming a star. I don't think he leaves this offseason, okay? Um, but I think he got one year left before somebody offers him a head coaching job. So that is a very short window. You have to watch out for that. I don't think you can win a Super Bowl and continue to survive in an increasingly very good conference and a division with Eli Apple being basically your shutdown corner. That that's pathetic. Okay. But offensively is where the problem is. And it sounds crazy when you have the talent that you're talking about, but look, T Higgins is probably gone. They're not going to be able to resign him. They're not going to be able to, to continue to keep him. So I think T Higgins is gone. Now, all of a sudden it is, can Jamar chase become a true number one? Jamar Chase, I know he was hurt for a little bit more than a month, but Jamar Chase hasn't had a hundred-yard game since October. Okay, he's got to learn how to beat these these two-on-ones. He's got to learn how to beat uh, the double teams if they're really going to succeed. Joe Burrow is fantastic. I I don't have a single bad thing to say about Joe Burrow. He is the truth. The problem is he's going to get killed. They have got to shore up this offensive line. They've got to – and it's not like every other team. Every team in the league, you go, oh, they could get better at offensive line. Maybe not the Eagles, but everybody else. But this is the team they have got to go out there, spend heavily, draft heavily, do whatever you need to do, but you've got to get an offensive line. To me, they are an offensive lineman or two away from not only just a Super Bowl, but they could go on a massive Super Bowl run where they dominate a very tough AFC. That's how good I think the Bengals could be, but they've got to fix that one area. I think the Bengals, before the year, I told you, I didn't think that the Bengals or Rams were making it to the playoffs. Forget about, uh, you know, the Super Bowl. The Bengals did it again. They defied every single thing during the year where Joe Burrow just took sack after sack after sack. And you can tell me he's like, Brady gets a ball out quick. Eventually, that's going to come back and hurt you. Well, here it is, Tim. You know, this is early. I don't know the moves they're making. What I do know is that I expect Baltimore to be better next year. I expect Cleveland to be better next year. I expect Pittsburgh to be better next year. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying, are we going to be talking about the Cincinnati Bengals in an AFC championship game for year three, three years in a row this time next year? I'm going to tell you absolutely not unless they go nuts on that offensive line.
0: You brought up Jamar Chase, and, and we talked earlier in the show about uh, the, the coverage, and basically he had an opportunity to take advantage of a rookie rather than a veteran, and, and really he didn't. Other, other than, I think, two two big catches, one of which he, he beat double coverage on, which that should have never happened to begin with, but he got that big catch. He got, a, got one in the fourth quarter as well relatively silent, and if you're looking at for a true number one, right, so when we look at Kansas City's receiving core, not really a number one there, right, Tom? You got Schuster, Hardman, Scanling. It's not really a number one. In fact, I look at Kelsey more as their number one option in my mind, but we're looking at number one receivers. He's no Justin Jefferson, man, and I think that's what it comes down to, right? He, He needs to be Justin Jefferson to take that next step, and maybe he will do that. I know he's young. Maybe he takes that next step, but the receiving core that with Boyd, if he's healthy, and Higgins and Chase. I thought they had the slight advantage over Casey, and that's before any of the
1: injuries. You look at Jamar Chase, and he is not the reason for this loss, okay? Let me just make that perfectly clear. He is not the reason for the loss. But where you're looking at a Jefferson and the targets are 10, 11, 12, we're going to feed them all day. You look at, Jamar Chase you have to go back to December 11th against the Browns where he had double-digit targets as a matter of fact he's only had double-digit targets um since September 18th but he's only had uh, eight or more tar- uh, uh, more than eight targets I should say I'm sorry since September 18th twice he lives in that short target range of like seven so his receiving yards Tim 75, 61, 84, 86, 79, 60. That Browns game where he had 10 targets at 119, uh, 97. And, and, and you you go, so since that 10-catch December 11th, 119 game, 7 for 60, eh, 8 for 79, all right. 8 for 86, okay. 9 for 84, all right. 5 for 61 and 6 for 75. Those are not... True number one cannot stop. That's not Cooper cup. That's not Justin Jefferson. That's not, we're going to feed you all day kind of numbers. And here's the thing. You're okay with that because every Cincinnati backer is going to go, well, yeah, because we got to feed Boyd and chase. I mean, uh, Boyd and and Higgins. Okay, sure. uh, But you still have to be that guy. Now, if the, the speculation is right and Higgins is leaving, now, can you be that guy? Can you be that 10, 12 reception guy night after night? Again, I'm not blaming him for the for the kind of lack of their their game plan tonight. You said Bre- beating a rookie. Yeah, he should have beaten a rookie tonight, but he was getting double teamed quite a bit. Those are the plays that you're gonna have to you're gonna have to break out of that. What's shocking to me is that, first of all, that ball hit him in the head. Do you remember that? You know, mm-hmm. he's had Catchable balls. I don't want to say drops. Catchable balls. But what's shocking to me here, Tim, is that Jamar Chase is known as the big play receiver. Right? That's who he is. Big play. Get down the field. Here's his big plays this year. 35 yards, 28 yards, 19 yards, 26 yards, 18 yards, 15 yards, 20 yards, 40, 41. 13, 36, he's got 160. So the big play receiver isn't even really making those huge plays, right, Tim? It's not like when he was a rookie. That big play get-down-the-field guy isn't really doing that. And in tonight's game, it'll just tell you, look, at listen, six receptions, 75 yards, as long as it's 35, that means he had five receptions for 40 yards outside of that big play, which 35 yards is a big play But it's not mind-boggling, right? I mean, this is not, again, Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs territory. It's just not. And when you put his talent level up there, he may be more talented than all three of the guys I just mentioned. He might be. He's right there. But the numbers just do not say he's a volume receiver. The numbers don't say he's, he's no longer a big play receiver either. That's something they need to figure out. Now, red zone guy, yeah, he absolutely is. You know, he's got five touchdowns in the last seven games, oh, you know, one in each game. He, he's a red zone guy, but they got to figure out a way to get the ball in his hands more. They have to target him more, and he has to understand, how can I break these double teams? How are we able to do it? And it's not just him. It's Zach Taylor as well, because when I see a Jamar Chase come up small, and it's not one game in a row here. This is now six games to end the season where he didn't get over 86 yards. Six games to end the season where he didn't see 10 targets. I mean, that's a problem, Tim.
0: I mean, I can sit here and be the armchair quarterback because obviously they have coaches and and coordinators and and everything. Tom, and I get what you're saying about Chase and and feeding Boyd and Higgins. I I understand that to a degree, but uh, my counter response to that Cincinnati fans would be Jefferson has Thielen and Osborne, who, who has breakaway speed, and, and they have Big Hawk now as well. There's other options in Minnesota. I think Burrow's a better quarterback than Cousins. And if you notice, if you watch Viking games, right, Tommy, and I know you've seen this, is that sometimes when, when this, it's not going, the, the flow isn't going, You'll see them just call like a little screen pass out to the side and get him a catch, whether it be for three yards or four yards. Sometimes he can break away and, and get a little bigger play or maybe a little dump off or over the middle real quick just to get him going. And, and with Chase, you don't really see a lot of that. And, I, you know, like I said, I'm not the coordinator. So who am I to speak on this? But in a game where, you know, you have an advantage or you think you should have that advantage on the secondary, Maybe Chase has to be that guy to step up and be like, "Just feed me the ball, let me get going, and we'll see what we can do with this." Because you said it, Boyd was gone, right? He had two big catches, but he was then he was out, and then it just became Higgins. It's easy to you can double Higgins, you can double Chase, and take your chances with Hayden Hurst, which you know he got a big third down catch there in the second half. But other than that, I'll take my chances with Hayden Hurst all day rather than the other two guys.
1: Tim, most targeted players. This year, right? Uh, Total targets. Justin Jefferson, 181. Devontae Adams, 180. Tyreek Hill, 170. Stephon Diggs, 156. CeeDee Lamb, 156. Travis Kelsey, 152. Garrett Wilson from the Jets, 152. Going down the list, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. Jamar Chase is all the way at 134. Now, his average is pretty decent because early on they were getting it to him. Week one, he had 16 targets in week one, Tim, right? Yeah. And then and then where did it go? He had 15 targets later on in the year. And then where did it go, right? So his average targets is up there. His average targets is 10.3. He's third in the league targets after Jefferson and Adams. Tim, receptions, he's nowhere near them. So is this a matter of maybe, you know, did they, did they lose trust in him? Early on in the season, 16, 9, 10, you know, 12, 10, 11. And then at the end of the year, yeah, he got a lot of targets. Just wasn't getting a lot of receptions. 13, 15, 11, 13. You're getting 13, 15, 11, 13 targets, and you're only catching six balls? Tim, I think that that's a a serious problem. They're trying to get him involved. He's just not producing.
0: I know how Bengal fans are. They're, they love their stars, and and I saw another. There was a tweet. They were arguing. There was an argument about is he a number one guy or can he be a number one guy? Well, we, you know, I saw what you had said. We had to feed the other guys, and then there was. Well, we started running the ball more with Mixon. Yeah, well, you know, Dalvin Cook runs the ball a lot in Minnesota, right, Tom? And Josh Jacobs was running the ball a lot in the second half of the season for for Vegas. So I don't think those are valid excuses either. He just. He's good, and maybe he'll be great. But today, he was just average. And it probably, yeah, I'm not, I agree with you. I don't think he—he's not the reason they lost the game. He's—he's he's definitely not the—he's definitely the reason, though. You can say that they didn't win the game.
1: He, yeah, he certainly didn't step up, and I kept expecting it. I kept sitting there and going, "Okay, he, you know, he's—he's going to get his catches." There was a prop play that. Uh, DraftKings had out there that uh, it was a boost play and Joe Burrow over 200 yards, Travis Kelsey over 50 yards, and Jamar Chase over 50 yards. And you think, okay, they're just giving away money, right? I mean, it's a boost. Uh, Kelsey got his over yards pretty much before the half. Burrow, you didn't really worry about. Chase had 37 yards basically going into the fourth quarter. And you were actually concerned about it. You were concerned that he wasn't going to get 50 yards I mean we're talking about 50 now he had a big play late right I mean that was nice and again this isn't about Jamar Chase being the the reason they lose but I worry about next year when T Higgins isn't there you're still going to target Jamar Chase 12 13 14 times a game but if he's only pulling in six receptions off of those 12 13 14 you know looks it's a problem and he's got to get back to being Able to get down the field and get deep.
0: Bengals are done. Chiefs move on to the big game. Third time in four years, Tommy. So quickly before we go into the hour timeout. Three times four years. If they win, what do you say? Dynasty. If they lose,
1: what do you say? No, it's not a dynasty. Yeah, uh, no, know, no I, I'm. Look, I'm very tough on things like all of fame, on things like throwing the word dynasty around, right? Things like the goat. I'm real tough. I'm real careful with that. To be a dynasty, uh, what is my definition? And I actually said this in one of my my YouTube um, videos that I do over at Tom Barton Sports. I, I said, "Yeah, I'm not." I'm not calling it a dynasty because of this. And here's my thought about a dynasty. You've got to win three times in four years, three times in five years. You've got to win at least three times in five years. Or you have to go three or four times in a row and win. Th- and you know, if you go four times in a row, but you win three, t- uh, three times in a row, something like you got to have the sustain- sustainability. The Chiefs don't have that. You know, Tim, they got one championship still. And I know you're saying, well, you know, if they win. Yeah, if they win, they've gone to three. They've won two. I think they're one short of a dynasty. I I still think you have to have that magic numbers three. And I'm almost hesitant that it should be four. If you win three, yeah, you absolutely are a dynasty. But I'm not sure if you go two and two that you're a dynasty, Tim. I'm not sure that if you go, let's just say Chiefs win this year go back to the Super Bowl next year and lose I still am not calling them a dynasty I think you've got to win three in like let's just say a five-year buffer or you could win two but you gotta to go to like five right I mean you you, ha- you have to go back to back to back a dynasty to me though is the winning it's not going the bills weren't a dynasty right even though they went four times no they're not a dynasty. I think you've got to win at least three in a short period of time. You want to make that a five-year period of time? That's okay for you to be a dynasty. Right now, where we stand, Mahomes has one, and I, I know that you. He went to another. No, he's got one, and he may still have one the next time we talk.
0: What if they go four times in six years and lose three? <laughs>
1: Oh, oh, that's a good one. Let's see. So, so, you go four times in six years, but you only have one championship. Yeah. Oh, definitely not. No, no, no. no. You yeah. have to. No, you have to win to be a dynasty. The Atlanta Braves were not a dynasty, even though they went to like nine out of ten or something like that. You know, the Atlanta Braves won the division how many years in a row? Uh, I think it was like nine or something like that. Didn't matter. They went to the, the World Series. You know. The entire decade, but they got one championship, they not a dynasty.
0: But because they win the one, say KC wins one. They're still better than Buffalo because they won the one, but. Um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think it's a, it's a good, discussion, good. And we could actually have this discussion on on a night when it's slower, but you know how we always talk about if you're a quarterback and how our hall of fame criteria is different, but we always talked about, well, You can't just base it on a quarterback having one Super Bowl victory because there's so many guys that did that. But then there's the two Super Bowl guys, right? Does that make them Hall of Fame caliber because they won two? No, not necessarily. So, again, here with the teams, you can go ten times. Like you said, Atlanta won the division for a decade straight and won one World Series out of it. So, yeah, that's still bad. Not as bad as winning zero, but it's still bad, right, Tom? Because repeat trips just
1: show that you can't win the big game. Right, exactly. I mean look Jim Kelly was a great you know quarterback I love Marv Levy I love the Buffalo Bills you went to four straight no one's calling you a dynasty the word dynasty is for winning right um you know the the New York Yankees had a dynasty right after the Atlanta Braves run nobody remembers the Atlanta Braves run as being a dynasty no chance because she didn't win um because then where, where's the cutoff I mean basically right. you're the AFC championship dynasty. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. So yeah, Mahomes almost has to win here just if he really wants to be into that conversation. And I'll tell you what, it's a weird spot and I'm going to put a lot of pressure on Mahomes and people are going to go, you're crazy, Tom. He's 27 years old, right? He's just kind of entering his prime. No, you're right. But in a way, Mahomes has to win to keep his aura up. Tom Brady has a couple of Super Bowl losses, right? I mean, you know, he had a couple, and it wound up, you know, with three. But he had a couple of Super Bowl losses. And what is the knock on Brady being the all-time great? If we go out and we talk to somebody like a Ron Natty, who I love, part of the show, but uh, let's be honest, you know, hates Brady. You talk to a Ron Natty. What is his? The first thing he's kind of uh, can't be the goat if you lose any Super Bowls. <laughs> and maybe you get past the one, right? Maybe you get past the one. Can't get past multiple. So. If Patrick Mahomes goes out there and loses, and I'm not saying it's right. He gives ammunition. That's what I always talk about. I talk about this with LeBron James a lot. When the James against Jordan conversation is, I talk about this where, uh, you know, there, there's multiple times in sports. It's called ammunition. You cannot give your detractors uh, ammunition to remove you from the conversation. And right away, Turning around and saying you have more Super Bowl losses than wins, that now removes you from the conversation. Because remember, in order to go over 500, Patrick Mahomes would now have to win two more if he loses this one. Now, if he wins this Super Bowl, he is now two and one in Super Bowls, one of the few people in history to ever win two. That elevates his status immediately. Immediately, he's into a handful of of quarterbacks that have ever won two. Immediately, he enters that conversation. Immediately, he enters the the conversation that still has Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger pushing for the Hall of Fame kind of thing, right? Why? Well, they got two, man. I mean, you got to put them in. The Joe Flackos of the world. He enters that conversation where you, you secured your spot. You are now among the best because you've got two. But if you go one and two, Tim, now your detractors are sitting there and going, okay, in order for you to be part of this conversation, you gotta win at least two more, and probably three, because his detractors that want to call him the GOAT and finish his year like that, his career like that, they're not gonna be happy with three Super Bowl wins and two Super Bowl losses. That's not it's not impressive enough. The bar has been raised. The bar was raised by a guy like Joe Montana that has zero losses, and then the bar was doubly raised by Tom Brady. So it depends on what we're talking about with Patrick Mahomes, but I do think that his legacy has a lot to do with what we're looking at. He he doesn't have to win. still going to be one of the greatest, but if he wants to be in that conversation in 10 years from now, it's going to be real hard to get there with a Super Bowl loss again.
0: Super Sunday night edition of Wave Sports. Tim and Tom, top of the hour timeout. In hour two, we'll go to the NFC side, Eagles, 49ers, a couple other NFL notes as well. All that and more, stay tuned here on Fox Sports Radio.
1: It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton.
0: Welcome back, hour two of Heat Wave Sports on a Super Sunday night. The word super takes a bigger meaning this time of year as the Super Bowl is set for 2023. It'll be Kansas City three times, third time in four years, taking on the Philadelphia Eagles, best team in the NFC all season long. And before we get into their matchup today, Tom, just a couple of um, NFL notes, and one that broke out this afternoon as well, so... In Dallas, there'll be a new offensive coordinator. Since we were talking about the Eagles, we'll talk about the NFC East. Kellen Moore out after four years. Uh, out after a four-year run that saw the Dallas offense, Tommy, ranked in the top ten of the league three times out of those four years. He uh, – when Mike McCarthy came in a couple years ago, he kept Kellen Moore on because of the relationship that he has with Dak Prescott. But I guess that uh, – is now over. And I think when I look at this situation, Tom, in my mind, it's more, I think it's more of a, you know, take away any, we're not even gonna talk about the playoff game, but would this in your mind think more of a, when you see the coordinators start to change or the coaching staff kind of change but the head coach is still there. It's almost like, look, this is your last chance. If you don't get it done, you're gone next year too. I think that's more, I read more into it that way than I do that. Hey, Kellen Moore is being made a scapegoat here.
1: Tim, I'm surprised that he's let go, considering, you know, he is one of the, the up-and-coming offensive minds, what his resume says. I'm surprised he's let go. <laughs> I'm more surprised Jerry Jones let it happen. Mike McCarthy last year was looking over his shoulder and going, man, Kellen Moore might steal my job because he, he's better than I am at this coaching thing. I mean, that, that's what people were saying. Now, I've always been in Mike McCarthy's corner uh, a little bit more than I probably should. Uh, but he was looking over his shoulder last year, going, yeah, Kellen Moore might come in. He's the, the the new guy here. Now Mike McCarthy gets rid of the threat. I mean, that's really what it was. I don't know if Mike McCarthy ever wanted Kellen Moore. Remember, he was, he was handed Kellen Moore, right? He never wanted him. And I think that that probably was the conversation. Mike McCarthy probably went to Jerry Jones and said, look, look at what I've done. I took this team to the playoffs. I got your playoff win like you wanted but I'm limited because you guys handed me this offensive coordinator and he got rid of the threat that might take over his job. I really believe that that's what it was. Um, I I have always thought that Mike McCarthy got the bad end of the stick when it came to the Rogers and McCarthy divorce. Clearly Mike McCarthy was the star there. Aaron Rodgers is, uh, it looked horrible. Didn't make the playoffs this year. He he's been known to be the problem when, Antonio Brown left Pittsburgh. I had uh, guys from Pittsburgh on. Josh Taylor for CBS Pittsburgh would tell me um, on the air, and, and he said, think about how great of a job Mike Tomlin you know, had when AB, we didn't know he was a maniac when he was in Pittsburgh, right? So think about the job he was doing undercover. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with Mike McCarthy now. We didn't give Mike McCarthy any credit. We thought Mike McCarthy was just riding the coattails of Aaron Rodgers, but- For many years, Mike McCarthy kind of kept that thing together and kept the psychopath Aaron Rodgers in check. And they were able to win. So I think Mike McCarthy gets the bad end of the stick sometimes because we don't realize exactly what he's done. But to think that Mike McCarthy is going to be a better play caller than Kellen Moore, that's ridiculous. It's ludicrous. The Dallas Cowboys today, by firing uh, Kellen Moore, they took a step back. I'm looking at the NFC picture. Where it stands now, and no moves being made, I know there's a lot to go on. Where it stands now, the Dallas Cowboys are worse today than they were two weeks ago. That is a definitive statement. that I will absolutely back 100% right now. So I get the move. I know why it was done. I don't think it helps the football team, though.
0: Right. No, I agree. And Doug Nussmeier, the Dax quarterback coach, also not coming back. His contract was up, so maybe it was just – like you said, McCarthy's kind of protecting the job, but at the same time he's going to clean out the offense and take one shot at it, right, Tom? Because if it doesn't work, he's not kind – of, and I know I say this every year, right, with Dallas coaches because you just assume that that's what's going to happen with Jerry Jones. But he's been a little more um, – in his old age, he's, he's settled down a little bit here. But you would have to assume that – I don't even know what to set the benchmark at. I guess it would have to be at least an NFC title appearance to save McCarthy's job, right? It, it, what else can you do at this point? You gotta win number one, you gotta win a game in the playoffs. That would be the first step. But I don't even know if that's good enough next year,
1: Tom. Yeah, I mean, it's it's never linear. I mean, we talk about it. We as fans in sports radio, we talk about oh, they gotta do this. You know, it's never linear. If the Dallas Cowboys go out there next year, let's just say Dallas goes out, they go uh, at, you know, fourteen and three, Tim. Win the division, crush their team—you know their team—in the first round of the playoffs. Um, you know, win the second round of the playoffs, but lose in the NFC Championship game by a missed field goal, for example. Hey, McCarthy's keeping his job, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. So it's never how you get there, but I think you're right in a very linear way. In a very put it flat out there, I think Mike McCarthy has to make it to the NFC Championship game next year. For Jerry Jones to to release him. Now, any other owner in the league, I think any other owner in the league is demanding a Super Bowl with this talent and the roster that's around him. But remember, this isn't going to be the roster, Tim. Pollard is going to be gone. Just broke his leg. Maybe he comes back at a discount. But chances are Pollard's a free agent. He might be gone. Ezekiel Elliott, they're already talking about the idea that Ezekiel Elliott has to take a pay cut to stay on this team. Already discussing that. Uh, two of the offensive linemen are coming up to maybe decision-making time. So we don't know what the roster is going to look like. I'm hearing rumors and it, it it is laughable, but I'm hearing rumors that the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones want to be all in on Saquon Barkley. Why? Who knows? They don't need another running back. But those are the kind of moves that if they go out there and they make a huge move, if they go out there and they, and they really do, kind of go out there and say we're going to change the direction of this team then they don't get results yeah that'll be a problem but this team might take a step back personnel wise and i don't think that they would fire mike mccarthy if he got to i think you're right probably an nfc championship game which means a playoff win plus
0: right well kellen Moore fans tom you know if, if you're a fan of kellen Moore, i think you're okay there's there's job openings obviously here in the offseason. he just interviewed in carolina they went with the frank reich instead of uh, oh and even if it's not a head coaching job right tom there's there's oc jobs open the chargers yeah i, I
1: hear your team's looking
0: yeah well apparently they're interviewing guys at the same level of jobs so i don't know <laughs> And and in a better offense, I, I'm not sure how that works, but that's more on him though than the team, right, Tom? That's a him decision, not a team decision. So,
1: but yeah, and we, we are talking about the Baltimore Ravens interviewed Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> <I>, I'd <laughs> said for years, Eric Bieniemy needs a job in this league. He he should be a head coach. I get that he doesn't play call, all right? But neither did Doug Peterson under Andy Reid. Neither did a bunch of guys under. Him. I think Eric Bieniemy absolutely get needs a job. Uh, but why would he choose to be an offensive coordinator for the Ravens instead of the chiefs? Like it's, it's a sideways move. Why would you do that?
0: I think there's a backstory there that he's bitter that he didn't get a job. And maybe he thinks it's, I don't, I don't know. That's, it's a great question, Tom, because we we've talked the last three years about being and how he went from top, top prospect at being a head coach to why nobody wants to hire the guy, and there has to be something there that that we're not we're not seeing or hearing, but maybe he just wants a, a change of scenery, I guess, or maybe he doesn't like Andy Reid. I don't know, right, Tom? We, who knows what the what the story is? But
1: what about the Ravens uh, hiring Kellen Moore? How do you feel about it? I,
0: I like Kellen Moore. You know, I do. I like Kellen Moore, and I the, the problem is. What what's his say in in the in the front office when it comes to bringing in the talent? He's not going to have a say over what Harbaugh wants to do, and and Harbaugh doesn't have a say over what DaCosta wants to do. So if if you give him weapons, I like I I, I definitely think that you'll see a better mix uh, of offense. For I'm sorry that everybody likes the running game. It's effective when they're all healthy, but you know you have to be able to throw the ball at times too. So greg roman just wore out as welcome tommy so i like more i, I wouldn't mind being me either tell you the truth so we'll see we'll see what they do Offseason. The off season well, we got
1: we got to get into this game because i also have uh an interesting take about what's going to happen to the niners afterwards but let's break down the game first sure
0: sure eagles steamroll through for frisco at home 31 to 7 this morning this afternoon as they move on to the big game, and, and obviously the the 49ers kind of just stuck in the mud once Brock Purdy went out early. He was 4 for Tommy, 23 yards passing and moving the ball. He goes out, and, I mean, that was it at that point. The, the Philly defense was, was superior against the fourth-string quarterback, and other than McCaffrey, who was solid, I guess, in his limited amounts of, of what he could do other than run the ball because – uh, Josh Johnson just wasn't the guy. I think this is more, you know, depth. Look, it's depth issues, right, Tom? No Garoppolo. They don't even have. So they go to a guy who's retired, basically, to, to try to win a game, and it just it got away from it. That 14-7 deficit turned ugly real quick in this one.
1: Yeah, and it turned ugly because of the 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 turnover. That just it, it was it was going gonna be fourteen seven going into the locker room, right? I mean, that was yeah. hey, you got a shot. Who knows? You know, Christian McCaffrey can play quarterback. I mean, he had a shot. And then all of a sudden that happened. And, and it was kind of crazy because the first quarter of that game was crazy. I don't know if you used to watch Saturday Night Live or not, but they used to have a character named Stefan. And he would come out and talk about the crazy wild things that happened in the New York City uh, you know, club scene. And, and I felt like reading it like that when I was talking about it because – that quarter had everything. Devontae Smith non-catches, you know, that was a touchdown that shouldn't have been a touchdown that the NFL didn't review. Brock Purdy got hurt. Josh Johnson's in. Brock Purdy back in. Nick Bosa's gotten hurt. He's bleeding out of his leg. Fletcher Cox limps off. Then he comes back. The punt hits the camera, but nobody can see what happened. I mean, it was a mess. It was a total mess, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, you look at this and you go, D'Amico Ryan's defense called a really good game. Kyle Shannon was doing everything he possibly can. But you just, there's no team, and I will say this definitively, there is no team in the history of the NFL that could go on the road against a number one team in the playoffs with a fourth string quarterback and and even think you're going to win, right? I mean, it's just reality. You just – you cannot do it. Now, I have my problems with the Eagles, which we'll get into. I don't think the Eagles played a good game. I don't think – I think the Eagles are all smoke and mirrors. But with that said, Eagles did what they had to do. They knew what they had to do. Bottle up the run. This team can't – they they cannot complete a forward pass. And let's just go out there and inflict our, our, you know, just will on them. And that's exactly what they did. But the Niners were up against – I don't know if the Niners win if there's a healthy – Brock Purdy, I'm not sure, but what I do know is that they were not going to win without him, and they're certainly not winning with Josh Johnson. When he went out, I, you know, their percentage of winning with Brock Purdy was under 50 50. They were the underdog, right? 47, 48%. Josh Johnson comes in, that goes down to like under 30%, right? Maybe under 25%. And then you have basically Christian McCaffrey's the starting quarterback. You know, you're down to 2%. They're not going to win that game. They're just not. And by the time that happened, they had a deficit. The game, unfortunately, went like that. It was a snooze fest. It was a beatdown. And and you just go, "Eh, what are you going to do if you're the Niners? Tom, who was the third-string quarterback? (laughs) Well, I guess it was Trey Land. I mean, that's the funny thing. It's like the first-string quarterback was Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's be honest. Right. Yeah. And then I, I guess Trey Lance was the second string. Brock Purdy comes in as the third string. Josh Johnson comes in as the fourth string. Christian McCaffrey was the guy. And, and my Harvard, uh, buddy there, Kyle use was the emergency quarterback.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Josh, John- literally they, they picked him up at his, at his house. He was sitting on the couch. They picked him up just to be on the roster, and he, the guy ends up playing and then gets concussed, Tom. How about that for a way to end your Ugh. career? I don't think – you know, Josh Johnson should retire, but how's that an ending to your career? You and concussed. it's fluky.
1: I mean, I mean it, yeah. it was fluky. But, but Tim, let's get into the Eagles here. You know, it's nice. They, they opened up at plus 1,800 to win the <laughs> NFC preseason. I told everybody I gave out two preseason totals. Team totals on this airway, TomBartonSports.com. I gave them to every member. I gave you guys the Eagles and Minnesota team total overs, breezes. No problem, okay? Uh, Once they got to nine, it was cashing money. They were no problem. But a lot of that came because I looked at the Eagles roster, uh, and I said they're very talented. But I looked at the Eagles schedule, and I said, man, they don't really play anybody. And that's really what I did with the Eagles and Minnesota. And as the year went on, you could start to see the groundswell of the Eagles. They were better than we thought. They were better than even I thought. And I backed them, okay? So, Eagles fans, I don't want to hear I'm an Eagle hater next because I told you guys in the preseason that they would be in a position to win the division and maybe in a position to win a playoff game or two. But I didn't see them getting to the Super Bowl. Here's why they got there, though. And tell me if this is impressive, Tim. Week 16, they lost to Dak Prescott. Week 17, they lost to Andy Dalton. Week 18, they barely beat Davis Webb. Then they had a bye week. Then they beat Daniel Jones, Josh Johnson, and now they're in the Super Bowl. I mean, this is what you're talking about. This is a team... That had the bye weeks. They beat Daniel Jones twice. They beat Josh Johnson, Davis Webb. The Eagles play who's in front of them. The Eagles got the number one seed because they earned it. The Eagles got a bye week because they earned it. Yes, all of those things are yeses. But you can't look at this and say that there's been any kind of impressive run. They lost Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton. After that, since then... They've beaten Davis Webb, Daniel Jones, Josh Johnson. I mean, what are we talking about? The Eagles are walking through to get to the Super Bowl. Why? Because they are in the number one seat. I get it. But you can't sit back and be an objective Eagles fan, which I don't even know if they exist. But you can't sit back and be an objective Eagles fan and say you feel great about going and beating up on Davis Webb, Daniel Jones, and Josh Johnson to now having to face Patrick Mahomes.
0: What you said does not exist, Tom. There is no objective Eagles fan, just like there's no, no objective didn't. Giants fan. It's um, they they think they're they're God's gift to football right now, and I love Kansas. You know, we're not, I know we're not doing the official predictions, but just I I really do like Kansas City in the game in two weeks, and it's just exactly what you said. If you and I know obviously you want Mahomes to be good to go. That's going to matter. Cause again, what are you talking about? Right. You're walking into how the Eagles have taken advantage of, of a schedule situation and, and poor quarterback to teams. So all the, um, like you said, the public run into the windows right now for Philly, let, let it keep going. Right. Tom, because I, I think Casey's, battle-tested more so than Philadelphia, I guess is a better way to put it. And I know Hurst creates problems for, for everybody, but the thing with Philadelphia that I'm impressed was what you had said at the beginning of the show was the offensive line and the way that it allowed them today to run the ball, tune of 150 yards, three different backs, just mixing it up and battering that defensive line that, that San Francisco had and just basically second and short, third and short, and just eating up the clock and running the ball and running the ball. And they just, you know, they they impose their will on them today, and I, I I get it from a motivational momentum standpoint. You're probably thinking in the back of your mind, we don't we haven't have a chance to win with Josh Johnson at quarterback, but they couldn't stop him either. So it was um it is a, your product of the schedule, right, Tom? That's exactly what Philadelphia has been. And hey, they took it they took advantage of it to get to the to game. I can't argue that. I just think in my gut, it's going to be a different
1: feeling come two weeks from now. Let's talk about the Eagles just for a minute, okay? Overall, this year, this is a, a team where their three best wins that you could argue, their three best wins of the year came against a Niners team without a quarterback, Cooper Rush, and the Lions and Jared Goff. <laughs> I mean, you could, I mean, that, that's it. Go look at their schedule. That's a legitimate argument that those are their best wins of the year. And then you look at today, just looking at today, Eagles only had 265 total yards, four yards per play. That's not good. For those out there that know, that that, that's not good. No player on either team at 36 yards receiving. That's not good. Jalen Hurts didn't look good here. Let's be honest, Tim. When you looked at this game, Jalen Hurts was the question mark. Jalen Hurts being injured was a question mark. Jalen Hurts didn't look good today, right? Just didn't AJ Brown byproduct of Jalen Hurts, but AJ Brown was non-existent. He, he just, where was he today? Your number one receiver. I get that Philly was running all day and they do run and run and run. And Sanders looked good in, during the goal line. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell, one of my, my plays, they had him over under 11 and a half rushing yards. Love that. that I smashed that. Yeah, he looked good. But their their offense didn't look good. Hurts didn't look good. Brown didn't look good. The one catch that Devontae Smith had made the stat line look good. He didn't catch that, right? Philly defensively was allowing screen passes all day long where you knew all San Francisco was going to do was screen passes, and they were absolutely brutalized on them. Landon Dickson, Dickerson, their pro bowler, left the game late with a apparent serious injury. That's a question mark. And Tim, have you seen a worse? We talked about it in hour one, and I said I'm going to touch on it in hour two. Have you? Can you remember a worse kicking game from a punting and kickoff perspective than what Philly just gave you? I know, well, it hit the wire. No, no, no. It was awful all game long. Besides that, the kicking game was terrible in this game for Philly. So I look at the Philly Eagles game, game plan and I go, man, let's see. Jalen Hurts looked bad. He looked injured. Their wide receivers could not get down the field and get open. Uh, they were brutalized on screenplays when they knew screenplays were coming. Their kicking was bad. And the best offensive line in the league? might be down an offensive lineman. I I am not reigning on the Eagles parade here, guys. What I'm saying is that their entire season, it's hard to find these great monumental wins. And it goes back into a game like today, where if you want to be positive, yes, Philly won. They were able to run. Their defense was great, all of that. But you got to peel back the layers to that onion. And you got to look at this game in a real-time, real situation. Eagles, they got some question marks coming into the big game.
0: Which is why we break the games down, right, Tom? Because the things you said, most people are looking at. We we look at, we live in the life of what is the last thing we remember. Well, we remember Philly being dominant. We, we remember the defense giving up just seven points per game so far in the playoffs, scoring and them scoring over thirty in each game. We remember that. Um, KC, Mahomes is hurt. They they barely squeeze that game out. That The refs cheated. That's the only way they want. These are all things you remember to a casual, common fan or, or even somebody who's not really watching so much all the things that happened in the game. So I think we always try to provide all these other aspects of, of these football games to lead you to what we feel is the best decision to make in our big Super Bowl preview show coming up in two weeks' time. But... What about what about Frisco though, Tom? Uh, this season comes to an end again. The the Shanahan experiment will will go on to another season. But what does Frisco do at this point other than find
1: a quarterback? <laughs> oh well that that is the interesting part. Well, I mean look look they're they're losing a couple of players, uh, or they could. Uh, I know Mike McGlinchey, a couple of the offensive linemen, Jimmy Ward on defense, uh, guys that are unrestricted free agents. that I'm not sure they're bringing. You look at San Francisco, and I'll hold off on the quarterback for a moment. You look at San Francisco and you go, okay, clearly, offensively, you don't need much. You probably need a little bit more protection offensively, offensive line-wise. Uh, there's a reason why they're on, you know, like are they're, they're eighth quarterback here and the fullback, right? Uh, they have running, they, they have a good running game. They have running depth, Eli Mitchell behind these guys, Mason behind them. You're not worried about that. I think Ayuk and Debo are perfectly fine. You'd probably like another wide receiver there, but I don't think that that it's a, necessarily a need. Offensive line does worry me a little bit. McGlinchy leaves, maybe you can get a little improvement there. Defensively, what do you change from a number one defense? You don't. You don't change anything. They they are are exactly what they are. Now you lose Jimmy Ward, that might ding you up, but overall, there's not much to change in San Francisco. There's not much tinkering to change in San Francisco, and and for good reason. I think. If they they feel like, you know what, if we had Jimmy Garoppolo in here, we'd be going to the Super Bowl. If we had Brock Purdy in here, we'd be going to the Super Bowl. Heck, if we had a healthy Josh Johnson in here, we may be going to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's how they have to feel. So there shouldn't be a lot of tinkering, but there will be. Because that quarterback position is still going to be a a point of contention. I have read today no no less than four quarterbacks, Tom Brady is still in the mix, guys. Tom Brady's in the mix because this is a San Francisco team that is, in their opinion, a very short window. Christian McCaffrey, while dynamic, is still an aging running back, and he's starting to look at that age where, uh uh-oh, right? Because running backs are not like everybody else. Running backs in this league, they hit that age 26, 27, and all of a sudden their stats fall. Christian McCaffrey is 26. Christian McCaffrey before next year will be 27 years old. I think you got two years left of Christian McCaffrey, peak McCaffrey. Okay, you have that left. Kyle Juszczyk is the best fullback in the league. He's been the best fullback in the league, and he's probably has a Hall of Fame career that he's starting to carve out. He's probably got about two years left of peak production. George Kittle, fantastic player. Maybe the best tight end, pure tight end in the league. George Kittle's dealt with injuries his whole career. He's into his 30s. Maybe you got two more years of his peak production. So you keep hearing me say one or two more years for this window to close. Their number one defense, one or two more years for this window to close. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers will be connected to the San Francisco 49ers because of that. Because their window is very, very short. It's not closing because San Francisco can go back next year. But I don't think that there's a long-term plan there. There might not have to be. Kyle Shanahan has to get a ring. He's got to get a ring with this group, this defense, this staff. Everything's in place. He's already going to lose, more than likely, his defensive coordinator probably tomorrow. So you look at this and you go, what do they have to do? They're the team that will be connected to Tom Breed. They're the team that will be connected to Aaron Rodgers. But they're also the team, Tim, that i'm seeing connected to your guy lamar jackson in a potential tree looks like lamar jackson is probably out of baltimore well if he is is this a team that would take him on and if if so what's the return well on a roster everyone's just assuming you're gonna have to go get rid of people jimmy garoppolo is not coming back to the Niners, right i mean jimmy garoppolo can't be on this roster another year it just doesn't seem like it makes any sense but Brock Purdy could be a perfectly fine backup. Brock Purdy's a perfectly fine backup to maybe learn behind one of these younger guys. You also can take on the roll the dice of Lamar Jackson if maybe you have a Trey Lance behind him. Well, Lamar Jackson's going to get injured, but we have Trey Lance. or is Trey Lance the trade partner? I mean, the 49ers are in a position we don't know if they believe they have their starting quarterback on their roster. But if Tom Brady's available, if Aaron Rodgers is available, I think San Francisco, I think John Lynch and Kyle Shannon, I think they pull that trigger despite having Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, and Jimmy Garoppolo on their roster.
0: So they make a big move at quarterback and they're right back in the mix. Is that, that, that would I be, think they,
1: I think if they don't make a big move at quarterback, Tim, they're right in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right now, if they came back and they said, our quarterbacks next year, we're going to have open quarterback competition between Garoppolo, Purdy, and Trey Lance. I'm looking at the Niners, and I'm saying they're they're one of the top two or three best teams in the NFC next year, right? I mean, who do you, you don't like anybody in the South. You don't like anybody in the North. So it's Philly. Do you like San Francisco better than Dallas next year? Yeah, I do. It, it, do you like San Francisco better than the Rams? It, yeah. Hey, I got to sit back and say, If they're bringing back Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, and Jimmy Garoppolo, I still think San Francisco is one of the top one or two teams in the NFC. They could could go back to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl as constructed. Now, if you turn around and you add an Aaron Rodgers, or you add a Tom Brady, or you add a Lamar Jackson, they are the clear favorites, not only in the NFC, but probably in the NFL. The best part of the
0: end of the season tom is the beginning of the next and the off season and all the question marks and where are people are going to go and who the new coach is going to be i think that's why the, the nfl always uh, maintains that year around not only is it the number one sport in the world but no not soccer nfl football but that's just it all these potential what the teams are going to look like next year we still got a game to play and then even that, right? Even after this game, Tom, Philly and KC. What are the changes that these teams are going to make? That's what makes it fun. That's what makes talking sports fun. And, and everybody listening, we appreciate you as always. So we're going to take our final timeout, and then we'll we'll toss around this game a little bit more. As um, look, we're two weeks out. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it till we're blue in the face. But hey, this is what we do, right, Tommy? It's all about. Big, big time events, and this is the biggest that there is.
1: Absolutely. Look, it is initial reactions. Things can certainly change, but it's good to have these initial reactions. It's good to have them and know what your initial reaction is as the two weeks go on. Two weeks is a long time between now and the Super Bowl. A lot of things can change, but it's good to know your initial reaction before time. All right, final timeout. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms. And remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential, to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Okay? Sports with Tim Oglesby and Tom Barton.
0: It'll be the Chiefs. It'll be the Eagles. In two weeks time to determine your Super Bowl champion for the 2022 NFL season. And Tom, we kind of, the theme of the show was was looking at the two games and then what the losers kind of have on the, on the, uh the old the old board there what's the futures hold so i guess we can kind of lean back into just maybe not say they're losers but look there's always going to be offseason changes right tom and where do you pinpoint some of the changes that could happen in
1: philadelphia or and or kansas city yeah i think that we're looking at two very different spots here you talked about a dynasty in the making and uh kind of a legacy for kansas city i think you you in a way, we're looking at that because there shouldn't be a lot of changes in Kansas City. Uh, the key players will be back. Now, you may lose Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator. It's very possible he's gone. But we've watched Andy Reid continue to steamroll on when he loses top coordinators. So while that will be a loss, I don't think it's going to be devastating. The Chiefs have a pretty solid offensive line together. Uh, Pacheco's young. McKinnon will be back. They got Kadarius Toney now for an entire year. Juju will be back. Scanling will be back. Travis Kelsey is maybe the only question mark. I don't think he walks away after the type of production that he's put up. But tight ends often hit a wall. uh, And Travis Kelsey is a guy that, uh, you know, getting up there in age, could very well walk away and have a Hall of Fame career. But barring the unknown, their offense is generally in tow. Defensively, I think because of injuries, you have to feel good as a Chiefs fan this year going forward. You have two rookie corners and two rookie corners that you look at and you go, they played really well. Nick Bolton's becoming a force in the middle. Chris Jones, they have pretty much everything in place here, uh, Tim, that I don't think, outside of unknown circumstances, I don't think there's a lot that there will change there. They have the key players. Everything's in place. You could always say, could he add a defensive lineman short? Do they need another offensive guy? Yeah, absolutely. They could do a lot of things. And everyone's going to speculate on a big wide receiver coming in. But I don't think Kansas is going to change much. That you cannot say about Philadelphia. Philadelphia has a lot of positions that will be changed. And that is sort of the problem with what, looking at Philadelphia in a long-term scope. Yeah, everybody's going to look at them and say, we got Brown and we got Smith and we got Hertz. You do. You have your key players. But the number one thing with the Philadelphia Eagles this year, their number one attribute was they have the best offensive line in the league. It is a long known kind of thing that Kelsey and Johnson both might retire after the year, so you may lose two potentially three key offensive players in that position. Um, Miles Sanders is going to be looking for a contract. I, I don't think that you know that's a big loss there because you have Gainwell because you have uh, Boston Scott that can jump in, but that is is some mix up there as well defensively if you remember early in the year one of the problems with the eagles where they were getting dashed on the ground they could not sustain a ground defense defense at all what they do they went to the bottom of the barrel grabbed these old guys off the street dominican sue come on down you know they were grabbing old guys why well they needed it and they don't have defensive line Well, that's a problem here, Tim. You know, these are guys that will not be back next year. Uh, You look at uh, even a guy like a Darius Slay is getting up there. So I think age is really the problem with the Eagles. Can they reload? Can they be back in this thing? Sure. But age absolutely is a problem. I think there will be a a turnover problem when you're talking about your retirement. You're talking about guys being replaced on the Eagles. Not so much Kansas City. Which I think goes to your point. Are we starting to look at a dynasty? Because the key players are in place in Kansas City.
0: You look at Philadelphia, isn't it more that <clears throat> they built this team like in a roundabout way? You just basically said everything. They built this team to win now. Like now, this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They they built it they <laughs> they are built to win today. Uh literally uh, you know, right now. Opening day next year, there's a chance. They have a different running back. There's a chance they have three different offensive linemen. There's a chance they have probably most of their defensive line will be different as well. I mean, you can see – I I could legitimately see four or five retirements go on on the, on the Eagles. I mean, they are really, truly in a win-now mode. Most of these guys were on the team when they won not that long ago, Tim, right? So, I, I mean, you, you look at the Eagles. They are an older, experienced team that may be walking away as opposed to being replaced.
0: Which if you're a Jalen Hurts fan, that's
1: terrible, right? You got to get this young quarterback. And
0: I always look at it in my mind, right? And And he has these weapons in Brown, right? He has these speedsters, Devonta Smith, guys that can go get the ball. But in my mind... He's like Lamar Jr. He's not even Lamar. He's Lamar Jr., Tom, in that he thinks with his feet before he thinks with his arm. And I don't know if that will ever change. And I'm already calling the guy out, and he's been in the league, what, two years? But I'm not sold on on Jalen Hurts. I was never sold on him.
1: And I think we'll see again why no running quarterback wins a Super Bowl. Tim, let me just give you a couple of ages going into next year, okay, Uh, for key players here for the Eagles. Fletcher Cox will be 33. Yeah, I I don't feel good about that if I'm the Eagles, right? I mean, you know, uh, Jake Elliott will be 29. All right, you you could probably live with that. Dallas Goddard, 29. Uh, Javon Hargrave, 30. Lane Johnson, 33. Linville Joseph, 35. Jason Kelsey, 36. Brett Kern, 37. 37. Uh, Rick Lovato, thirty-one. You, you can see Robert Quinn, thirty-three. Samelo, uh, thirty-three. Darius Slay, thirty-three. And Dominic and Sue, thirty-seven. Tim, that's a lot of thirties, right? I mean, that's, that's a lot of thirties, and that's a lot of Linville Joseph, uh, and, Dominic and Sue, Lane Johnson. There's a lot of thirty-year-old guys on the offensive defensive lines. So right now, I don't think that there's any argument. Philadelphia had the best offensive line in the NFL this year. They had one of the better defensive lines after they made their adjustments. Most of those guys are going to be gone. I, I'm, I'm going to roughly say, I think on the short end, Tim, four changes along the offensive and defensive line.
0: Yeah. It's easy to say when your skill position guys are in their 20s, early to mid-20s, doesn't matter if they can't get any blocking doesn't matter if there's no uh you know if you're if that stout defense all of a sudden a year later and and mind you Philadelphia has really stayed away from the injury bug this season that that can literally change overnight next year they're just bitten by it so we we all know what happens in the NFL look at the Rams right we already know we already know how this goes about so yeah built to win now and when we mean, when we say now we mean like in 2 weeks this is their window right Tommy it closes after this game
1: that closes. and closes very, very fast. I know you wanted to bring
0: up the Staley thing. What happened with that?
1: Oh yeah, what the internet is a funny place, and Twitter just gets crazy. So, <laughs> um, it, 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 it's it's just you could start to see players, and you go, "Are you? Is this a heel turn? Is this a WWE? <laughs> Are you feeding off of this? Because a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, if you remember." Running his mouth after the, uh, the 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 players down, he's doing uh, you know guys laying you know face first on the turf. He's doing celebrations uh on the sidelines. He, he's making fun of a guy for not being able to breathe after the Damar Hamlin thing. I mean, so Kevon Thibodeau, who's a lineman for the New York Giants, a young guy, turns around and he. During the game or right after the game, he said, The way this game is looking, we might be better than the Niners. This is the San the, the New York Giants. So Joe Staley, offensive lineman for the for the Niners, comes out and said, You're a flash player who gets bodied by average tackles. Don't <laughs> let the New York media affect you. Right? So Kayvon Thibodeau comes out and asks, Who are you, bro? Uh, uh Arik Armstead jumps on the bandwagon. Like, don't do that, bro. I watched your film all year. <laughs> so the 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 San Francisco-New York giant rivalry is somehow or another alive and well here. Uh, I thought that was pretty intriguing. I also thought the Giants made a little, I guess they kind of made news. I mean, they didn't make news, but it affects them. Tim, and I don't know how much the... the rest of the country will understand the levity of this but i know that you do the empire state building today tonight decided to not only do this but also tweet this out and put it on facebook they changed their colors to blue and green to support the eagles yes the new york giants hometown team changed the color of the building to green and white to support the Eagles. How do you think that's going to go over tomorrow morning in New York? Who? Yeah, somebody lost their job, I assume, right? Tim, there's a Twitter feed. There's a Twitter, uh, you know, whatever handle that is someone's an idiot. And (laughs) it was on there. It was the first thing. And everybody basically just said, yeah, someone's getting fired tomorrow. I mean, (laughs) what? What are we doing? How can that? I, I mean, wow! Just, just. I mean, look. If it was, even if it was the Jets, you'd still be like, "Come on, what are you doing?" But that's a division rival. Could you imagine, you know, the Boston Red Sox celebrating a Yankees championship? Right. Never happened. I, I mean. Yeah, that was mind-boggling. So it was kind of funny. And it wasn't that I'm following the New York Giant stuff. Th- these are the things that are popping up and it happened to be weirdly two New York Giant things going on. I found I found the Kayvon Thibodeau thing pretty funny because I mean you make a comment like that and you just get absolutely clowned by guys that have been in the league so much longer. And then I, I'm scrolling through and I see the the damn Empire State Building and I'm shaking my head. It, my first thought was exactly what you're thinking. Who messed up? Who's who's looking for employment tomorrow morning?
0: Maybe it was somebody's last day on the job and they just hate the Giants and they're like, you know what? I'm going out with a
1: bang. I guess so. (laughs) I mean, that would be a reasonable explanation because anything else is ridiculous. (laughs)
0: I'll tell you what's not ridiculous. Tom, BartonSports.com. Tommy, you've been on an unbelievable roll since – Like Thanksgiving, that's two months of winning. It doesn't matter if it's baseball. Well, not baseball, but basketball, football, hockey, college basketball. Run it. You run it. You run the table. You are the best in the business, my man.
1: Tim, I just said I had my first losing week since Thanksgiving. Yet, TomBartonSports.com right now documented. Every play is out there. Every play is available to, to the public. 15 minutes after the game goes off, you can go see what I have. Uh, TomBartonSports.com, in this month, the last 30 days, I'm hitting 67%. That is with my losing week, Tim, right? You go back to December. Since December, I'm hitting 69% on all of my plays. TomBartonSports.com is absolutely rocking, absolutely rolling. Here's what I'm going to do for you guys out there since it's almost February. If you sign up today and you let me know that you are listening right now, TomBartonSports.com, you sign up today, I'm going to give you right up until the first game of March Madness. So that's six weeks, not one month, not 30 days, six six plus weeks of service at TomBartonSports.com if you let me know that you're signing up here because you're listening to me on the air. Next week,
0: more Super Bowl talk. We're also talking about some of the NFL job openings. So, make sure you tuned in both nights, Saturday and Sunday. Heat Wave Sports back at it here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas. Have a good sports week.